Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're talking about the power of resiliency. And, uh, you know, this is a really interesting topic because it's amazing to me how many people aren't resilient. They, they allow themselves to get uh, weighed down by emotional turmoil, uh, uh, depression, anxiety, all kinds of things, uh, fear-based thoughts, fear-based lifestyle, uh, being reactive and uh, people that procrastinate and put things off and never complete things. There's just so many people that follow those kind of patterns. It's, and it's, it's kind of sad because the more resilient you become, the more you begin to tell yourself you're in charge of your life. And the more you have to be, in a sense, a faith-based life, which means you, you take leaps of faith because you don't have all the answers. And so people that are resilient are constantly hedging their bets um, and trying to make the best decisions possible to place them in an opportunity to proceed forward on whatever they're trying to do. But, you know, adversity is a fact of life. And so if you're going to be resilient, you know, that it's a, it's a quality that basically allows some people to be knocked down by life and then come back at least as strong as before. And rather than letting difficulties or failures overcome them and drain their resolve, they find a way to rise up from the ashes. And, and some of the factors that make a person resilient is a positive attitude. That's big, big time. Also, the ability to forecast ahead and see in your mind what, what success would look like. And then there's optimism, the sense of, of caring that I can do this, which is a faith-based concept. Also, the ability to regulate your emotions and manage them rather than let them run wild. And the ability to see uh, uh, a failure as a form of a helpful feedback. And that means that every time you fail, it's an opportunity to learn. It's not failure itself. And a lot of people live in that world of the fear of failure. And, and that's just so ridiculous and 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 out outlandish that they would think of those those expectations that we would be so perfect as to uh you know nothing can can sustain us nothing can make us feel satisfied it, it's sad that people uh, will base their life on those kind of concepts but the, you know research shows that optimism helps blunt the impact of stress on the mind and the body in the wake of disturbing experiences. And that gives people access to their own resources, their thinking ability, and, and, and helps them be cool-headed and, and analyze what might be uh, might have gone wrong and, and consider what could uh, be the next behavioral pass that might be more productive learning from those experiences. You know, it, it's amazing that if we just think in terms of, okay, I have a fear-based idea of what's going to happen, and so I'm going to predict a negative outcome, and now I have a faith-based choice. What does that look like? What would that outcome look like? And then go towards the faith-based choice. You know, resilience is not some magical quality, but, but it, it's, it takes a lot of mental work. And, uh, you know, if you're going to get through hardship, 
Um, even after some terrible misfortunes, resilient people are able to challenge the, you know, change the course, move towards achieving their goals. And, and there's growing evidence that the elements of resilience can be cultivated. And I can tell you that because I've had to learn how to be resilient over and over and over in life. And it's paid off so many times. Resiliency is about, you know, getting through pain. Getting through disappointment. Don't don't let it crush your spirit. And, you know, while it's always easy, uh, research really un- has uncovered what resilient people do as they persist after after accidents, after trauma, after missteps. You know, for instance, do you attribute personal and professional setbacks solely to your own inadequacy? Or are you able to identify certain factors about yourself that are specific and temporary? And do you demand a perfect stake or are you able to accept that life is a mix of losses and wins? In each case, the the, the, the wins uh, will go to a higher level if you focus on the wins. You know, there's a lot of stories of ordinary people that are thrust into extraordinary challenging circumstances and then they prove that disasters can be overcome and can even make a person stronger. And so to fail is a deeply human thing. It's really how you view failure that's more important, as is the capacity to inspect and learn from and and transcend from the failure. And so ultimately, failures are are stumbling blocks on the path to success. And so, you know, if you you examine the lessons that are taught, uh, they have implications from failure for humanity, for maturity, and for empathy. And that doesn't mean that one needs to, you know, basically pretend that it's pleasant to fail or ignore the frustration that arises when a goal falls out of your, you know, your reach. But instead, it's it's important to just accept the feelings that come with failure, be curious about them, and resist the urge to judge yourself too harshly and, and, and uh, that all critical skills need practice. In addition to cultivating better emotional regulation, such those kind of skills also provide lessons that will stop the failure from repeating itself in the future. And so, you know, just look back uh, almost 10 years ago, 11 years ago, the uh, recession in 2008, it, it brought like a huge sense of, of siege. Um, you know, there was a collective emotional tone of the whole world seems to uh, cycle. Uh, there were about 4 million workers that were laid off when the recession just began. And on a single day in January, 7,000 people were laid off and another 50,000 and 60,000 lost their jobs on each of the 10 days that followed. And so, you know, and this split into about 10 different countries. So, you know, you, we may look back on this period as a time when, when the gods change, when, <laughs> as uh, James Michener said one day, um, you know, a moment when convergence of big scares rattled people's beliefs about basic things. Am I safe? Who can I trust? Is there anything I can do? You know, 9-11 did the, did the same thing. You know, I, I, given everything that has happened, should I live? That's another thought that tends to go through people's mind when they're we're facing a calamity. You know, it, it no longer seems possible to avoid failing simply by being a conscientious uh, person that works hard. But, you know, uh, it, it's really... 
uh, comes down to the understanding that when you work for other people, you are always going to be vulnerable because you're a part of a business and the money they make is how they prosper and grow. And so most businesses are not built around people. They're built around profit. And so, you know, one day we may look back on this period as a time, you know, of scariness, you know, like 9-11 and, and 2008. But did we bounce back? Of course we did. Did it take time? Yes. Uh, you know, what's happened? What happened to our stocks? What happened to our investments? Well, they fell through the roof uh, in, in 2008. But guess what? They built back stronger and better and more conscientious and, and uh, more efficient. And so there are failures and then there are big failures. But the difference between bankruptcy and, and financial diminishment, divorce and marital strife, you know, spiritual crisis, uh, um, you know, uh, are distinctions of degree, you know, and, and they're not they're connected. And the woe, you know, that we feel when the strains of that stuff comes about, it's not pretty. And that's why failure is something you wouldn't wish on the least agreeable person. You know, but the theory is that gaining momentum that looks like at a failure differently, failure is at worst a mixed blessing and it, and, and it hurts, but it pays in a form of learning and growth and wisdom. And, you know, I've said this so many times, but anything hard that you accomplish makes your life easier. Anything hard that you accomplish makes your life easier. Now, procrastinators don't tend to believe that. Uh, people that believe mediocre is okay uh, don't tend to believe that because they don't want to do hard. Lazy people don't want to do hard. And people often, especially in a work environment, will go to the lowest common denominator rather than raise the bar for all of the people that they work around. You know, um, the, there's uh, psychologists that, that have said arguing that uh, adversity and setbacks and even trauma may actually be necessary for people to be happy and successful and appreciative and fulfilled. You know, I, I guess they term it a, a post-traumatic growth. Uh, you know, it, it's observers are building a solid foundation under the antidotes about wildly successful people who credit their accomplishments to early failures that pushed them to the edge of, of failure. And, you know, the bottom line is uh, failure is the scientific process. And so scientists look forward to failure to learn from it so they can improve and continue to improve and evolve with whatever they're trying to invent. Uh, most of us are innovators. Most of us try to take general ideas and then bend them into something unique. Uh, that have already been come up with by other people. Uh, some societies are really good at innovation. The Romans were very good at innovation. Uh, they stole from the Greeks. Um, the Japanese were, are totally into innovation. They stole from the Chinese ideas and then they then they innovated them. They stole from the Americans and, and innovated them. I'm not, I'm not trying to insult any country or culture. I'm just trying to use that as an example. Some some societies are built around invention and some societies are, are built around innovation. Some people, uh, many, most people are about uh, innovation and uh, not invention. However, those unique people that have the skill to innovate know how important, or excuse me, invent, know how important hard is. You know, um, it's, Steve Jobs, before he passed, he, he looked at three setbacks, uh, dropping out of college, being fired from the company that he founded, and then being diagnosed with cancer. And uh, that actually, he felt 
created his opportunity to have a better life because it forced him to step back and gain perspective to see the long view. And so uh, here's a quote from Steve Jobs. Once again, he's passed uh, from cancer. But I have failed over and over and over again, and that is why I succeed. Um you know, Michael Jordan had the same concept, Oprah, uh, Walt Disney, Henry Ford, Winston Churchill, Thomas Edison, in slightly different words, you know, repeated the same theme that they they will not lose sight of what they want just because of the failures. So we do know that learning is error driven and probably as a result of the brain trying to be efficient. So failures grab our attention. So, you know, many things happen that way. We, we expect that mistakes register uh, disproportionately and we're forced to basically integrate the new information. And so through research, it, they, they found that more widely wrong our perception was, the quicker we learn. And so the brain, you might say, feeds on failure. So we are acutely sensitive uh, to negative feedback and this negative bias drives our learning, at least from teenagers on up. And so, uh, you know, we have to look at the occasional failure is extremely important information. And so when you look at great leaders, they almost all had major setbacks. When you look at the Bible, most of those uh, uh, people from the Old Testament had major setbacks and in the New Testament had huge setbacks. And how did they handle it? That's really what the bottom line comes from. If you don't get the kind of information failure provides, you'll end up with unrealistic expectations for yourself and enormous amount of depression because you will feel like a failure at all times. And you will feel hopeless that you can't accomplish the things that you really could if you just change your attitude and move towards leaps of faith trying to learn, hedging your bets. You know, uh, you could wind up in a position where failure has gathered uh, under, you know, darkness and kind of snuck up on you and then it reveals itself all all at once. That is the worst kind of uh, problem because when we get that, we're totally in shock and uh, possibly traumatized. But the bottom line is we need to step back and and hope and then, then expose the failure early and often. And uh, and by doing that, by exposing the failure early and often, we're often able to develop a solution of recovery or begin on steps towards success. You know, uh, uh, some businesses in Silicon Valley or Wall Street make a point of hiring ex-pro athletes to their staff. And it's not, not just that they're high profile draws business, but it's because they they are master compartmentalizers. We They need people who could perform and not get emotionally attached to losses. And so that is a very, in particular, a very important quality, especially for an athlete to be resilient. You know, what, one way to, to help keep life's uh, problems from knocking us down is to ensure that life is multidimensional. And that means we, that we have lots of streams. We have many streams of, of uh, income. We have many streams of creativity that are all different and they all feed and they all may feed at once or they may feed at different times. But the more streams of diversity we have, the more resilient we become. And that goes with investing, that goes with projects, that goes with uh as far as work is concerned, sometimes it's important to have three, four, or five different streams of revenue that come your way, especially if you're a person who works for themselves or works on contract. You know, and the bottom line is failure has implications for our development as a whole. Uh, and it can initiate a search for meaning. 
a shift from pursuing the kinds of happiness that flare up briefly to kinds of happinesses that endure. And suppose you're, you, you've just gone broke. You know, uh, uh, the psychic immune system has a strategy for the loss. There, there are four basic, basic dimensions of our, ourself. And this comes from a psychologist named uh, Rob, Robert Edmonds of the University of California at Davis. There's achievement. There's community, there's spirituality, and there's legacy. When one dimension fails us, we lose achievements, say, then we're, we're, that we're laid off. Remember, the other three, the community, spirituality, and the legacy get stronger. So, you know, uh, achievement is a big one, in, especially in the United States, and it's disproportionately valued and often conflated with material success. So, you know, like in the United States, we, work, we uh, live to work. Well, in many other countries in the world, especially Europe, they work to live. And so the concept of having a job is not necessarily about you. It's about being able to provide yourself a life that you enjoy. And so we have to always remember that we keep in balance by having many, many streams that feed us, not just one, that we diversify where we get our sense of being, our sense of success, our sense of life. You know, everybody gets laid low in life, um, you know, however briefly, but the real difference between people who pull themselves out somehow versus the people who don't is, is that some slip into rumination. And, and so that means they, they, they ruminate over the same problems over and over and over again, trying to wonder why it happened to them rather than how to get through it. And so a spiral of self-involvement that's extremely difficult to shake and then seeing ourselves through other people's eyes that they know we're a failure, you know, that, that's another way that people can hurt themselves. But it's really, you know, that spins us into the mud a lot deeper when we sit there and get all self-involved. You know, uh, people that are resilient, they, uh, they exercise their temperament. They look at themselves from an optimistic perspective. They know that they have potential. They know that they've proven themselves or they know they have it in them to prove themselves that they are capable of, of climbing out of the hole. And then they begin doing it no matter what it is. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about uh, how to fail better. Come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? 
Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories, resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the power of resiliency. And, you know, we got to learn how to fail better. And fail better is a matter of controlling our emotions, adjusting our thinking, and recalibrating our beliefs about ourselves and what we can do in this world. You know, uh, if you look at Bobby Fischer, he was an American chess master, and uh, he he taught a lot of young chess players. And, And so, you know, what his belief is, chess is a game of failure. And in the beginning, you lose a lot. So the kids who are going to succeed are the ones who learn to stand it. And a lot of young players find losing a devastating uh, thing that they can't adapt from. And and they never learn to metabolize that failure and and not to take it personally. But good players lose and then put the game behind them emotionally. And so, you know, the present moment uh, is it should be a calming sense of perspective Uh, laid out against the past. And so what you see is compared to your memories of what you've seen and mastered before. And and, And I repeat, what you've mastered before, that is where you have been resilient and that's what you have to reflect on. And then you pull your knowledge from what you did to be resilient at what you mastered before. And you take that and you integrate that into your circumstances. And that's where we develop the faith and the hope. What you know? Uh, what what you have in the end is a coherent story, you know. Uh, uh, um, you know, like with uh, with chess instruction, it works with anything. In fact, if you take that same thing you do with like learning how to play chess and learning how to be an expert at it, and you apply that to life itself. That's why chess is a great game for kids to learn because it learn they learn how to be resilient. 
And, and, you know, teachers can foster resiliency among their students and they create uh, students who don't flinch from failure, but actually be, welcome it as a learning opportunity. People have uh, one of two belief systems about how intelligence works. You know, uh, uh, Carol Dweck, who is just a, psychi- a psychologist at Stanford, she she thinks that intelligence is either fixed or malleable. In other words, we're pretty much as smart and as good and competent as we're going to get or else we are a work in progress and the way forward is up. And if we always look at ourselves as a work in progress, we welcome failure to learn from it. People who believe intelligence is fixed are less resilient. If you don't believe you can learn anything from your mistakes, you won't welcome failure with open arms. But students who are taught that the brain is, 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 is plastic and that they can become smarter, more competent, pl- plasticity is what I'm talking about, that the brain grows like a muscle, and, and it is a muscle. And so when you work hard at it, you show a spike in grades and enjoy school more because there's le- you're less afraid to fail and more intent to succeed. You know, if you look at school as a place to gain knowledge rather than to get an A, uh, then school becomes a, a life of learning. But if you're there in school to get an A, you're not about to enjoy it as much as, as the learning Um, The funny thing about knowledge is if you look at the Socratic method of learning, you know, the the Greeks would sit on the stairs, Socrates and Plato and those folks, and and, uh, they would sit on the stairs and teach each other and basically pull knowledge from each other and learn from each other and question each other. And that's how they learned. There were no grades involved in that. And that is how our university systems began. However, now were about checks and balances, learning, did you get this knowledge or not? Yes or no? You know, how much of it did you get? I got about a C's worth. I got about a B's worth. I got about an A's worth. I got about an F's worth. Whatever it is. But, you know, that system of learning uh, has no uh, uh, relevancy to how we're supposed to learn as people. Um, You know, I I always tell my clients that, you know, when I was learning – in uh, college, how to do therapy, I did that for them, not for me. I was sitting there to collect knowledge in order to help them uh, be more effective in their life. And, you know, the bottom line is, is that I still do that to this day. Just doing this show alone calls for so much research, but all of it is to the benefit of other people and and not just myself to learn. You know, uh, you know, we have to push ourselves you know, we, we have to push ourselves ahead. And you can't just say uh, to a kid, go learn to swim on your own. But you take them through the process gradually. You let them see what their buoyancy feels like. Let them have little moments of uh, distress where everything is immediately okay and manageable. And that's how we learn to solve problems. We receive inoculation against major stressors, but there's a little bit of, of, of uh, self-esteem and, and short changes that, that, that are successful, that get us to the steps of success. Failure, you know, can't help us if, if we're oblivious to it. And there's something deeply sympathetic and, and not a little familiar to repeat failure. So often our, our, our rehabilitations are short-lived despite our best intentions and our mightiest to resolve. We find ourselves endlessly repeating early failures. You know, there's a lot of people that will lose their job and then they will go out and look for the easiest job they could get that's possible. And they will try to develop a way to live on the income that that job offers them because they're so depressed and they view their failure so much that they just don't know how else to uh, 
to, to function. They're, they're so hurt by the fact they were fired or let go or whatever, or, you know, disappointed that they just don't go to try to learn from that and, and take their successes in that work and move it into another uh, uh, venue. You know, the great f- payoff in failing is it gives us another chance. And this this comes from Alex Trebek. You know, he, he on Jeopardy, he encourages the contestants to risk everything and then crash down to zero and start building. And, and uh, you know, to begin from scratch is a, a part of the script. And, and in this sense, failing well amounts to taking a weird kind of pride, not just in the potential positive consequences of failure, but in the failure itself. You know, the awful, agreeable humanity of it. Failure drives us out of our caves and into a a world of of other people that, um, you know, that there is possibility to have happiness and and be less perishable. People that fail often view themselves uh, as people that are not good survivors, and not good leaders. So, um, you know, and in the moment, it's it's just, if you look at it, that it's the people that are actually talking about their relationship with failure are people that are more resilient. The people that don't talk about failure are the ones who really are not resilient and are failure. They live failure. I'm not saying they are failures, but they live in that failure world. And so some people learn from the future and failure and they bounce back stronger. For other, it totally destroys them. And to be one of those who rises from the ashes is what we all need to be. You know, like if, if, if you put your whole life into something and then all of a sudden it's, it's pulled out from under you, you're making a big mistake. You can't put all of your resources in one place. You've got to move, have resources that help you be resilient. You know, the people that have like three months worth of um, bills in the bank feel a lot better about their life than the people who live paycheck to paycheck. And so that's the difference. When we have multiple streams of satisfaction and we are able to fall back on those different streams when one of them fails, we know that we can move on. But if we only focus on one thing and that's it and we don't put the money away, we don't put the resources away that we need to be doing, uh, we live on a, on the string and we live on a tightrope and one mistake and you're done. So don't live on a tightrope. You have to have multiple areas of satisfaction in your life. You know, um, you know, the, the, there's a big difference between shame and guilt and, and the reason that we assign uh, shame or guilt to us. Uh, you know, it, it, guilt says it's something I did. But shame means feeling failure occurred because something I am. And so it's it's really important that you avoid shame and guilt. You go, I learned, I learned, I learned. You know, so the cycle of, of learned helplessness can be broken. Instead of thinking I'm a failure, think I'm a good person who made a mistake and I can learn from it. If your story about failure is, is all my fault, well, you, you might need practice looking outward and ask yourself, what what other things, things that aren't about me, have caused this negative event? You know, on the other hand, if your story is, uh, it's never about me. You may need to seek out some aspects of the problem you can do something about because, let's face it, you do more uh, 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 towards your faults 
than most people. So what I'm trying to say is we're a major contributor to our own problems and we have to face the fact that we, we do that and we have to examine what I did and use the word I rather than you or they. You know, getting fired and left without savings or health coverage is really rough, but for some it carries unexpected message. You know, now you're free. Free to do something more meaningful with your life. You know, maybe do something overseas or, uh, you know, do something you've always wanted to do. And if you don't have to earn money right away, ask yourself, how can I be of service to others? You know, um, it's, it's amazing that when we find what our passions are and we actually explore our passions, we oftentimes are more productive at what we were than what we were doing in the past. And so sometimes, you know, if, if you look at it from the perspective of determinism, means things happen because that's what had to happen, we begin to accept the fact that it's happened and now we go, okay, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? And, and so you scale down your expectations for yourself. So when we succeed, we tend to just ratchet up our expectations for ourselves and not get a lot of pleasure out of it. But when we fail, it's much harder to ratchet down our expectations of ourselves. So that, you know, might be what failing well is, you know, a willingness to lower our sights when, that, when it's realistically uh, required. And so, um, you know, find things that are meaningful, find things that are coherent with you. And I've said this so many times before, but we're spirits living a human life. And so many people just live their human life. They do their, they, you know, they pay their bills, they buy a house, they have their kids, they function, 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 uh, do the same thing every day, spend five hours watching television, whatever, uh, Sunday football, okay, that's cool, um, you know, whatever they've got their little schedule going, but they're really not living. And so it's important that you feed your soul and your soul is the reason you're here. That's what's, that's, that's the operating system. And so many people don't engage their soul. They don't get into what the soul can offer you. And that means we have to continue to fail. We continue to experientially go out into the world and experience things to find out where we connect best and where we can give back to others. Because that is what fulfills our soul, to give back to others. You know, self-blame is very corrosive. And, and uh, if you look at a lot of the research, uh, you know, kids that are raised amid domestic violence, abuse, uh, maternal depression shows that self-blame can trigger or worsen depression. So um, blaming yourself for bad things that happen to you are probably the biggest reason people metabolize failure badly. You know, attribution has a, a potent effect on depression. The more you blame yourself for problems, the more depressed you grow. And it's a vicious cycle because the more depressed you are, the more blame uh, uh, yourself. And by contrast, the children who understand that that negative life circumstances are outside their control are not as vulnerable. Um, so, you know, act. Failure is the opportunity to change course. Seize it. Do it. Take advantage of it. Now, I'm going to sidestep and take a, just a little bit of time talking about God and resiliency, because if you read the Bible, and the Bible is an important document, uh, but you can also look at other faiths, and, and, and the I Ching, if you want to look at that, or, or you know, what, the Muslim stuff, you know, whatever you want to look at, look at it. But, you know, resilience is a response to tragedy, to crisis, to other life-altering changes, and it allows us to move on despite the loss. So when we show resilience, it doesn't mean that a person is unaffected or uncaring about life change. Resilience is the human heart's ability 
to suffer greatly and then grow and, and be humble. So we see examples of national resilience, such as uh, uh, after uh, September 11th, 2001. And so we observe uh, personal resilience. That's 9-11, by the way. We observe personal resilience every day in people who suffer handicaps, death of loved ones, and other losses. And so when people refuse to give up on themselves and the world, even after misfortune, they become resilient. So it's, you know, for Christians, it's a biblical norm to be resilient. The Bible contains many admonitions to press on, uh, such, you know, overcome hardship, overcome temptation, perceive the face of trials. It also gives us a whole bunch of examples of people who suffered greatly, but continue to follow God's plan for their lives. And it could be seen as a theme uh, versus uh, being resilient. Through the righteousness fall, uh, fall seven times, then rise again, but the wicked stumble when calm comedy strikes. You know, Paul showed great resilience after his life-altering encounter with Jesus in Acts 9. And and when he was transformed from religious Pharisee to a radical Christian, many were not happy with that message from the Hebrew side. So he was beaten, he was stoned, he was criticized, he was jailed, he was nearly killed many times. And in one incident, it especially shows Paul exceptional resilience. Um, in uh, Asia Minor, in Lystra, he was stoned, dragged out of town, left for dead. But when his enemies left, Paul simply got up, went back into the city, Acts 14, 19 and 20, and his missionary endeavors continued unabated. Godly resilience enables us to be undeterred from our mission, regardless of the opposition. That means our life, and this is from a biblical perspective, our life belongs to God. And our job and everything we have, and this is from a Christian perspective, and that's what I'm just giving you, and it also comes from many other spiritual backgrounds, and that's why spirituality and re- and faith can be very important, that we have to look at everything in our life is given to us by God as a gift. And when God takes away a gift, we have to look for the new gift that he wants to give us to move us forward. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the road to resilience. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the power of resiliency. You know, looking at the road to resilience, you know, how people deal with difficult events that change their lives is so important. Many people will make circumstances define who they are. Uh, The death of a loved one, the loss of a job, serious illness, terrorist attacks, traumatic events. These are all examples of really challenging life experiences. But many people react to those circumstances with a flood of strong emotions and a sense of uncertainty. And some don't ever get through it. They just keep blaming and victimizing themselves by the events. Yet people generally, generally, they'll adapt over time to life-changing situations and stressful conditions. And, and so that's really what a person that's healthy needs to focus on. So what enables them to do that, it involves the resilience, which is this process uh, that requires time and effort and engages people in taking a whole bunch of steps. Now, once again, I repeat the word process. Process is life. People that look for outcomes and define themselves by outcomes are very impatient black and white people who often are very susceptible to be stressed out or traumatized by immediate change um, because they're no longer in control. And so they, they feel this control factor. And so what we have to be is we have to be pliable people. And that means we have to, if we're going to be healthy, we have to say, okay, let me say, let me look at what I have and figure out where I need to go with what I have. You know, there's there's a, a lot of factors that contribute to resilience. I mean, there's a studies that show the primary factor is having a caring and supporting relationships within and outside your family. That those kind of relationships that create a sense of love, a sense of empathy, a sense of trust, and they provide role models and offer encouragement and reassurance to help bolster a person's resiliency. There's other factors include the capacity to make realistic plans and take steps to carry them out. And that's a process. Also, a positive view of yourself and confidence in your in your strengths and your abilities. So skills in communication and problem solving, those are huge. And the more people value communication and problem solving, the better they become and the more hopeful and the more resilient they become. Also, the capacity to manage their feelings and their impulses. You know, all of these are factors that people can develop uh, for themselves. So if you want to build resilience, you have to develop a journey that makes you resilient. People do not all react the same to traumatic and stressful events. 
but an approach to building resiliency that works for one person might not work for another. So people use all kinds of different strategies. Some variation may reflect cultural differences, like a person's culture might have an impact on how they communicate and feel and deal with the diversity. For example, you know, whether or how a person connects with significant others, including their extended family and their community. Uh, with growing cultural diversity, the public has greater access to a number of different approaches to build that. Even online, people can build resiliency. Some, some of uh, many of the ways to build resilience in the, uh, is, uh, you know, to develop this strategy of making connections. Uh, good relationships with close family members, with friends, are very important. Accepting help, accepting help. This is one that people don't do well. And support from those who care about you will will uh, listen to you, and it strengthens your resilience. Some people find that being active in civic groups, faith-based organizations, local groups that provide social support can help with reclaiming hope and assisting others in the time of need and also can benefit the helper. Also, you know, you should avoid seeing crisis as an insurmountable problem. You know, you can't change the fact that highly stressful events happen, but you can change how you interpret and respond to these events. You know, just think about it. Let's just say you've had a great boss and you had a great run with your boss and there was a lot of success. And then all of a sudden you get a turd. You know, somebody's a really horrible boss and they come in and they mess everything up and they turn the environment into a toxic environment. Can you really control that? You know, the bottom line is you have to be resilient enough to go, okay, I got the clue. This is not a good working person. Am I going to be able to tolerate this person and find a way through it? Am I going to find a way to engage this person and actually develop some kind of relationship or do I need to leave? And so, you know, this, we need to be constructive about things like that. And that can happen in a moment, you know, so try looking beyond the present to how the, the future circumstances may be a little better and note any subtle ways which you might already feel somewhat better as you deal with difficult situations. Another big thing, it's important to, to just, just accept that change is part of living. You know, certain goals may no longer be attainable as a result of a circumstance. Accepting the circumstances that cannot be changed can help you focus on circumstances that you can alter. For instance, let's just say all of a sudden your income changes because of job loss, whatever. Your income changes, and now you have all these big bills. Well, for a time, while you're strategizing to get yourself through that, you may have to just pay the minimum payments and wait until those bills are, you're capable of handling those bills, but you have to stay hopeful that while you're looking, it, the, the looking is actually an investment in something better than what you had before. You know, uh, move toward your goals. Develop some realistic goals. Do something regularly, even if it seems like a small accomplishment that enables you to move toward your goals. Take a walk 20 minutes a day, which is 60% of a mild antidepressant, and it goes exactly in your brain where it needs to go. So just think about this. If you just did this every day and you didn't negotiate it with your feelings, you just did it like like you do any routine without debating it. It's something you just have to do and you do it 20 minutes a day, 60% of an antidepressant. And guess what your brain's doing? Your brain is running the whole show. So you're you're really tuning your brain up and you're helping your body enormously. You know, you have to when things happen, 
that are failures, we have to take decisive actions and we act on adverse situations as much as we can. So we we take decisive actions rather than detaching from the problem and stresses and wishing they would just go away. That's called denial. And uh, we want to look for opportunities to self-discover because the discovery is going to happen within ourselves. So people often learn something about themselves and may find that they have grown in some respect as a result of the struggle of loss. So many people who have experienced tragedies, hardship, they have better relationships, a greater sense of strength, even while feeling vulnerable. And they, they also increase their self-worth. So, you know, when we accomplish something, when we dig ourselves out, we become more developed spiritually and we have a heightened appreciation for life because now we know how fragile life really is. It's, it's really important to nurture a positive view of yourself. So, you know, develop that confidence in your ability to resolve problems and, and trust your instincts to, to help build resilience. You know, let's just say you're going for a loan, but you have poor credit. So you go for a loan and you have poor credit. So you go to one company, they reject you. Go to another company, they reject you. You'd simply look for other kind of loans that may be possible to get and you keep trying for the harder one. And finally, you may end up with some private company or some uh, new company that actually would take a hold of you and take a chance on you and give you that loan. And that loan may help you consolidate your debts and, and uh, get your bills down to where you can function better. Keep going. Keep going until you finally get it. If you, you want a house, if you want a certain house and it's over your budget, figure out how to get a budget, how to get your debt down. If you can't increase your income, get your debt down and figure out how to buy that house. And if it takes a lot to get it, get it. Do it because buying a house may be an investment if you buy properly and in the right place. The, you know, you want to keep things in perspective. Even when facing painful events, try to consider the stressful situation in a broader context and keep a long-term perspective. So, you know, avoid uh, blowing the event out of proportion. You know, a lot of people will make changes and they take a leap of faith. Let's say if you're a pastor and you leave your big church that you're at and you go join a smaller church and you try to figure out, you know, uh, can I make this one grow like I did the other one? And all of a sudden you discover the people are different, their goals are different, their location is different, and uh, they're, they're, the, the, they're, the people that attend, their members are older. Um, so what do they do? Do they just look at it and go, no? Or do they develop a plan and a strategy to provide uh, new opportunities for younger people to come in and, and learn about God? You know, so that's something that they need to look at. A lot of people want everything to just come to them. You know, life doesn't do well when you want it to, to just jump on the hood of your car. You have to go out and, and search for it. And so that's part of life. Um, but you also have to take care of yourself. Pay attention to your own needs and your own feelings and engage in activities that you enjoy and that you find relaxing. You know, exercise is huge and take care of yourself helps keep your mind and body primed to deal with situations that require resilience. And, and there's, uh, you know, uh, some people write about their deepest thoughts and feelings related to trauma or other stressful events in their life. You know, writing gives you a tangible thing to read and look at. And kind of understand what's going on in my head. Also, a meditation, spiritual practices help some people build connections and restore hope. They all of a sudden discover where their brain goes and how it thinks by just kind of taking 
the time to just sit back and and uh, let their brain operate and kind of observe. But the key is to identify ways that are likely to work well for you as a part of your own strategy to foster resilience. But the big thing is to learn from the past. Focus on past experiences. Sources of personal strength can help you learn about what strategies for building uh, resilience might work for you. So you explore what kinds of events have been most stressful for me. How have those events typically affected me? Have I I've found it helpful to think of important people in my life when I'm distressed? To whom have I reached out to for support in working through something traumatic or stressful? What have I learned about myself and my interactions with others during those times? These are questions that we must ask ourselves. You know, have I been able to overcome hard things? What, what has helped me feel uh, more help, hopeful about the future? So re- resilience involves maintaining flexibility and balance in your life as you deal with stressful circumstances and traumatic events. And so, you know, this happens a lot, a lot of ways, like letting yourself just experience strong emotions and realize when you need to avoid experiencing them at times in order to continue functioning. You know, step forward, take some action to deal with the problems, meet the demands of daily living, and also stepping back and rest and energizing, re-energizing yourself. Lower your expectations to be more process-driven and allow for failure and be okay with it as a preference. I know I'd prefer to be better than this, but it's not. You know, preference is a not a big emotional word. It doesn't have a lot of stuff tied to it. Uh, depressed people have un- unrealistic expectations that are never met. And they're so unreasonable that it's, that it's impossible for them to be met most of the time. You know, spend time with people who love you and you love to gain support and encouragement. And nurture yourself. Be grateful. Be grateful for everything you have in your life. And also rely on others and also rely on yourself. But people want to be needed. It, it's a deep, deep thing. And so it's very important for us to, to be able to seek help when you need it. You know, uh, it's, it, it's seek people that are going to be healthy to help you. That is what resilience is all about. It's important for us to have secure attachment to, to, to somebody um, that, that uh, you know, where we have signals of feeling safe, uh, where we have feelings that this person really cares for us, where we have a sense that this person feels empathy and understanding for us. Because when we feel connected, when something happens that we don't like happening, we feel like we have a place to go and we begin there. You know, trauma can affect your mental health, but it doesn't mean we're crazy, sick, or ill. It's just an injury, and it's a mental injury, and it's really more about how are we going to respond to it. And so the big thing is to learn how to become more autonomous, um, accept our circumstances, make peace with it, and then develop a process to recover. That's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Just go to our voiceamerica.com empowerment webpage for Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology and click on the link to email me directory, d- directly. So remember, when one door closes, another one opens, or you can open the closed door. That's just how it works. Make sure to tell those others around you that intolerance will not be tolerated. And if you're married, here's a common theme. You know, you say you despise intolerance and hate, 
But if I don't agree with you, you call it intolerance and hate. Can you explain to me how that works? Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.